Welcome to the SAMA podcast. We ask the smartest customer-facing people in B2B how to become trusted advisors to the customers their companies can't afford to lose. I'm Harvey Dunham. So, so Chris Jensen, um, you know, we're, 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 we're in a kind of crazy, unpredictable time right now. Things are changing seemingly by the hour. We should, uh, I think, timestamp this. Today is, uh, what is it, March 21st, I believe, March 21st, 2020. And um, we're talking because when most people think of a Black Swan event that kind of changes everything, uh, you know, overnight, uh, most people think of 9-11. And uh, so if you could, can you um, put us in place uh, and tell us sort of where you were on, say, September 10th, uh, 2001, and give a little bit about your background, too? Absolutely. Thanks, Nicholas. Um, yeah, so um, September 10th was a Monday. <laughs> and uh, I, at the time, was um, a sector head uh, for our engineering and manufacturing sector at uh, uh, it was uh, DHL Global Forwarding at the time. Um, I was uh, 41 years in my entire career with DHL, uh, but at that time, um, I was the sector head there, and I was also managing a couple of strategic accounts, Caterpillar and John Deere, namely, but also uh, had a team of individuals that were also working with their customers. Um, I had been um, in that role for about three years at that time, and uh, before that, I was a SAM on, um, uh, on a couple of customers um, starting in uh, 1994. And uh, before that, I was in a variety of the sales, district sales, field sales, and then before that, operations, almost every kind of level inside of one of the biggest logistics forwarding companies in the world. Um, so on the 10th was a normal day uh, in the office, a team, we always had our sales calls, uh, team meetings. Um, that, you know, business as usual, if I remember at the time, it was actually quite busy, um, you know, coming into September, um, the beginning of the, the quarter there a little bit. And uh, so kind of business, totally business as usual. Um, went home the next morning, driving to the airport on the radio, the tragic news was coming over the radio. And I recall being sort of on the north side of O'Hare Airport, which is where my office is located. Um, I could see an aircraft. Um, coming in for landing and, I, and only one. And I started to think, oh, this might be one of the last aircraft I see in the air today. As I pulled in, um, you know, obviously with transitioning to the office, we had the TV on and those days there was no real internet where you could, you know, look up any of this stuff uh, at your desk. So we had a, we had a TV in um, one of the main conference rooms and lots of the people in the wing that I was in my office building were gathered there and, and taking it in <clears throat> and tragic. But right away, I could see the impact because looking out the window from my office, I could see the Southern runways and you could already see the aircraft all bunching up at the terminals and, um, and all on the ground and um, no noise. There was uh, no more taking off and landing, which is always prevalent around O'Hare Airport every day, every minute of every day. And that silence really made me think about um, looking over at the phone, what's going to happen next with our customers. So while it certainly isn't the level of the situation today where everybody in the world is touched by this, 
um, it definitely was touching people that had supply chain uh, considerations and, and needs. And the reason is, is that um, such a big component of global uh, business is done via uh, air freight. And so um, as the news was coming in and um, through the day, of course, we we're talking to the customers and letting them know that uh, we're making plans. We have everything working. The trucks were all working. Um, but, um, you know, we would have to keep them, you know, advised day by day because right away people are thinking, oh, I have to shift this to ocean freight and things like that, which there's no capacity to take all the air freight in the world and switch it to ocean freight at any given time. Um, so it was, uh, it was shocking. It was uh, sort of a feel of, um, I think in a lot of SAMs, there's this feeling of uh, having a service for your customer um, to, to, to provide the best service possible. And so you felt like you were actually doing something. You were helping in some way, some small way, you were helping um, get through this disaster. So, you know, I guess it was clear immediately, would you say that this was going to be big? Yeah, um, if I recall correctly, the, uh, uh, when they closed the uh, uh, global aviation, it was within that day, by the end of that day. So right then, we knew that this was going to be a significant impact uh, because um, clearly there wasn't any um, uh, sort of a view of how big was it. Is it only going to happen in New York City or is it happening somewhere else? So there was that. There was also the issue of all the stranded, you know, uh, aircraft because they, the aircraft, you know, they didn't finish their flight to Chicago. They they flew to Louisville and landed, the closest landing place where, where their aircraft could be taken. So there was a significant amount of misplaced um, uh, people, of course, but also um, uh, materials, right? So they're all over. And um, so as the wheels start to roll, you're, you, know, you know you're going to sort of be in the position to try to help customers understand where their products are, uh, what's the impact, um, what can they do. Um, so. I would say quickly within the first day or so we were we were talking and when I mentioned that I had that operational background at the beginning of my career really helped me a lot because I worked in the in the actual operations of moving cargo and and, and making sure you know working with the airlines and, and and doing the things that had to be due to to move international air cargo every day right and I could clearly see and also talk to the, the individuals in the operations that this was going to be a huge impact and um and the customers were starting to sink in, but then they were starting to ask a lot of questions about, you know, what could we do? How can we get around it? How do we find a way? So, you know, as a, as a, as someone having work in sales and as a strategic account manager for a long time, obviously you're, you're trained to deal with these, you know, operational, you know, quote unquote crises, nothing of this magnitude. Um, but did, what in your training, would you say prepared you to, uh, you know, to sort of be there to step into the breach for the customers who are obviously probably panicking, not knowing, you know, how their supply chain is going to hold together. Uh, you know, how did you, how did you handle that? Like a lot of Sam's I'm a naturally curious person. And, um, and, and so I just dove into as much information as that was available. Um, and, and, and in those days, you know, it's a little old fashioned, right? With the, with television and, and newspapers and, uh, and uh, anything you could get your hands on, but also by going through and, and, and working 
we had email, right? So we were emailing um, information as well. We created um, a daily sort of checklist of, of current situation at the ports. Um, you know, and our primary concern at the moment had been Chicago O'Hare. It's the busiest uh, international cargo uh, air freight port in, in the world um, with a huge impact. And, um, and so those, those, along with staying in touch with my colleagues in operations, being out on the floor in this mega warehouse that we had there on the, on the south side of O'Hare Airport, um, checking the flows of the cargo coming in, checking on the condition of and, and, and where everything was getting staged, because as you can imagine, it all started to build up. So it's really to get into um, SAMs have that sort of operational side to them, and they have the, the commercial side to them, the sales side to them. They have to tap into both at this time, right? So it, it becomes a very tactical situation. You're not really building long-range strategy out of it, but in the back of your head, that's, that has to be part of it. Like, what, what is this going to look like in 60 days, not in, in not necessarily just in five days. And um, and so using those capabilities, and I, I have to say, I was not a member of SAMA yet. Um, and I had I had SAMA, I would have loved it. SAMA was still about six years in my future. Um, but had I had SAMA to help me with that, it would have been ideal. Um, but I didn't. So I, you know, I just took my experience and my sort of uh, relationship that I had built over the years with the customers. They saw me as a trusted advisor. They saw me as the person that knows more about their business than they do. A lot of times, and these were things they would say to me, um, I was able to use that, but not only for my customers, but also for the people that work with me with their customers. And, um, and those took the kind of format of a daily update, um, whether it was written or if it was on the phone or a conference call. Um, so it became sort of, uh, of the next steps were starting to come out. Um, and, um, and some interesting steps came out, which, um, I can probably share with you later in this conversation. Perfect. So, I mean, so, you know, we talk a lot about the strategic account manager as, as, as the one who, you know, is kind of the CEO or the quarterback. We use a lot of different analogies, but uh, so if I could summarize, basically you, you turned yourself into a subject matter expert on what was happening, what were the ramifications mm -hmm. of what was happening. And then you Correct. also, it sounds like reached back into your own organizations and leveraged all of those relationships that had been, you know, instrumental to you to, you know, mm -hmm. to align around you for your, you know, your customers. Um, in this case, you, you called on all of those relationships to marshal information. Is that? Absolutely. That you know, not only that, but also not only marshal it, but sometimes you have to triage it, uh, some of this a little bit, right? To what's important to be, you know, to go to the customer versus everything. So there's, you know, and there's also the uh, absolute triage of what's an emergency in this situation, inside this situation. So we really had to kind of start to pretty quickly over the next couple of days, you know, transfer our view from, okay, there's our tractor parts that are delayed uh, for a bulldozer and some mine somewhere, which is an important situation for, for companies in, in that business, but medical emergencies. And we had, um, we had that to consider as well. We had customers like Abbott and Baxter and um, several others that actually have to move blood and, and products uh, overseas, right? Or it goes bad. So 
we kind of had to sw switch gears a little bit and that became much more of a sort of looking at what's the alternatives, which is what all the customers were asking about anyway. And it went into quite a, um, quite a uh, detailed investigation and also procuring uh, space with um, allowed government aviation. So government aviation wasn't, uh, military av aviation wasn't taken down. So working with uh, government uh, uh, people, officials, military officials, we were able to start to work with them to start to move um, needed goods, essential goods for, for, um, human, for human use. Um, and that be took up some of the time. Mm -hmm. And um, so it was um, constantly a bit of a triage. What's, what's, what, what needs to be pushed up front? What needs to be, okay, we can wait until things normalize. Um, but what's interesting about that um, difference in that supply chain situation to today is today there's still aircraft lines. So it's not a lot. They've been a really reduced, but you can still do it right? Then you couldn't, and you didn't know when it would start. There wasn't, that That took, it would be the next day, well, we won't know for another week, and then it would be after five days. It might be another week after that. It actually went on to more than two weeks. And what, um, it was, uh, it was uh, probably the most um, exhilarating period. So, you know, working through these things, I think for Sam, this is a natural kind of where they are in their career and what they do, and, and um, you know, engaging their their uh, their customers but also engaging their internal customers with their company and making sure that both are getting the best out of the situation as, as these things occur i can tell you that when i talked to my um my uh, former colleagues and uh other uh, some of our customers are also in logistics at sama uh, big ones and um that's uh it's it's very very busy in that world right now and trying to make sure that the essential the essentials are moving versus, you know, just everything is business as usual. Right. So one, you made me think of something. So you're, you know, you talked about having to triage information and uh, I assume that means that, oh, or, and also separate, you know, the, the true, truly urgent um, needs from the merely, you know, semi-urgent. So I, I assume you were having, having to have difficult conversations with customers. Did you develop, um, did you develop any, you know, uh, pointers uh, that you could share about how to have those kinds of difficult conversations with, you know, they want answers and you don't yeah. have, answers, or they want answers right. and you don't have the answer they want. Yeah. Most important thing. And because it can be very emotional, um, it, uh, you know, because, they may think their material is essential to their customers, right? But it might not be in a, in a worldview essential to everybody else. And so um, most of that comes to kind of making sure that you have as much information as you can gather before you have the conversation. Make sure you understand the information. Um, but the most important thing, and, and I kind of learned this a little bit, and I don't even know if it was exactly this particular situation, but it's not speculating what a customer what, what what people will often try to get you to do is give them some sort of information they sense you may have but you may be holding back or or what is your best educated guess as to when something's going to start to change or whatever and um it's a dangerous you know because again you're you're in a role where you're you know you're you're there to help the customer or you're there to help your internal customer and um, if you start playing a bit of a 
you know, estimation guessing game, it can, it just, it, it can, it can end not in a good way because all of a sudden somebody made a plan and now you've got uh, all sorts of different trucks arriving at a, at a, at a, at the airport or something. And, and it's just it's not a good thing to do. It's always good to, they don't like to hear it, but say, look, I just have to come back to you as soon as I have that information, be, be very frank, be upfront. And I would say, you know, I think that that's, that's the number one thing is this try to stick with the, with the story um, that's developing and, and stay to your talking points the best you can mm-hmm. and um, avoid speculating or using your own sort of idea or view of, of the situation to give an estimate of what you think might happen. It's okay to do it a little bit, you know, especially if it's kind of near term, like what's going to happen by the end of the day. Mm-hmm. But even in a situation like that, that wasn't even sometimes possible to do. But you did talk earlier about having to also, in addition to the, you know, the purely tactical operational stuff, like how are we going to, you know, move this stuff today? Or how are we going to unstick this stuff that's stuck somewhere right now? You also were looking out, you said 60 days or whatever it was. How, what, yeah. you know, how do yeah. you, how do you do that? You know, how do well, you, what, you know, yeah, so that that actually did get, you know, because uh, the FAA, uh, obviously, um, because of the nature of it, um, our airports aren't weren't hardened, right? So they needed they need security. And the early early days on that became immediately um, known. And that business as usual just couldn't happen, um, not only for passengers, but also cargo. And um, there had always been a bit of a security pr- protocol before 9-11 um, that was, you know, you checked to make sure the material is what the material was. You checked over the documents. You, you had the cargo built up uh, into uh, palleted forms for the carrier and you brought it over to the airport. They would check through and make sure everything's okay. 9-11 changed it all. Um, there was then requirements of just different, different things coming out. And you had to kind of work with the FAA the government, um, the new sort of forming Homeland Security at the time, um, all of these different things were coming to a head at the same time, which, you know, for sure helped the situation so that we wouldn't have another one, but it, it didn't help the situation of unstucking or unsticking, <laughs> sorry for that, unsticking uh, the, the, the materials that were already uh, backlogging, right? So, you know, we had to start to work through what's the new security protocols. But even more, which really created quite interesting discussions that were kind of loggerhead ones, was a new invention of what was called the security fee. And um, in the in the air transportation business or or any of it, this had never existed before. And when that came into effect, and it was kind of significant, uh, it was a sort of a per kilo uh, charge. And um, you know they charge for for the air freight just charge per kilo by the weight. And um, this really threw everybody. And, and it took a lot of talking to get customers uh, to understand that it's not the, it's not the same. It's, it's the, the day is gone. It's changed. The, the world has changed. This is the going forward. That those fees still uh, exist today, you know, uh, 20 years later. Um, and um, they uh, probably will never go away. And getting them to understand why, you know, what was the cost to us? What was, what were we doing differently? This became the next thing. So we were simultaneously unclearing backlogs, but through the end of that year, 
December Christmas time, uh, we were still working through um, literally arm wrestling over over you know the the increases in charges that they were going to be paying. But they did. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> Just took some time. It made, made me think of something. Did 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 you find that this situation um, uh, kind of clarified which relationships were were strong uh, to begin with, and which ones already had some like uh, cracks and fissures, and that and that this you know black swan event kind of uh, yeah. Yeah. laid bare those. Super, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a great question. Um, it did, right? Uh, it, it not not to. Not in my view of the customers, and not to say that I was just some unbelievably great person at this, but those customers, I was fortunate uh, to have a lot of time with them. Um, they were also with us for a long time. So there was already strategic uh, relationships there, trusted advisor type, you know, the top, top end of the, totally the top end. It didn't mean that they didn't say, okay, we're going to get and do some, you know, bidding on this and make sure your prices are right. And, you know, through all of this, they did. But um, there were definitely cracks in some companies that are very, you know, that I could, I, I won't say who they are, but there's some big uh, conglomerates out there that have a very uh, hard policy on price changes and things like that in, in between contract bids and things like that. And those companies did probably uh, take some punitive actions against uh, um, uh, people in the logistics business that were saying the reality of that they were going to have to pay these charges one way or another because they, people had to buy x-ray machines. You had to see all that stuff you see at the airport now. Um, that, had to be, that had to be put in place. And it had to be put in place fast. Yeah. And, um, and um, so it, it did um, for sure. Right. I mean, it tested. I'm sure it tested every real and can tell you it tested every relationship. And the ones that were strong were the ones that had good SAM uh, logistics companies with good SAM programs in place and yeah. SAMs with good relationships in place with their customers. Yeah, I mean, this really is is an art. This isn't a question. It's more of a comment. But this is an argument, very strong argument for for the SAM approach, because without it, I think, um, have, you know, facing a situation. It's a disaster. Like, yeah, a disaster on top of a disaster. Because if you have somebody in field sales trying to say uh, handle th these types of discussions because they moved up to the top levels in every one of these organizations quickly, if you if you know the CEO is asking about of these organizations what's going on with our supply chain, and um, and if you have people unprepared, and a lot of times in, in some companies they have instead of a SAM program they say okay we're going to have our C level people talk to our largest customers on a regular basis. They're probably even least more compared to have these very tough conversations that require some negotiation and some, you know, handholding and getting yes. everybody through it versus, you know, um, what a, often a C-level person will do is, is make some, you know, they're, they're not, they're just usually not, unless they came from a SAM program, they're usually not set up to be able to handle those kind of conversations. Some do. Some right. CEOs are pretty good at it. Others Absolutely. not. So. <laughs> Were there were there times that you that you did ha have the need to call in a an executive level person to you know level set or uh, get over a I don't know or, or yeah you... no you know at the time um, um, our CEO amazing amazing guy um, he uh, he 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 would do it himself you know the call into to their CEO you know make sure that everything was going okay trust me it wasn't like they just let me just do all that stuff myself but I never I don't recall ever having to go down and have a a sort of uh, 
come to um, Jesus kind of meeting, you know, to, you know, and, and bring the CEO for any of that. I, I just don't. I think by that time, the the end of the year kind of meetings um, in December um, were, you know, there was a bit of that. There was a recap and what we did together and how we get, overcame some things and how we worked on different things, which was always appreciated. And, and um, it was more of a, at least with, with my, with my team at the time, that was very much what was happening. Yeah. So, you know, we talked about, so, so far, if I can summarize your, your sort of uh, your golden list of uh, what to do is um, acquire as much information as, as you possibly can understand that information, understand which information is critical, which is less so, you know, which needs to be shared with the customer, which does not um, uh, resist the urge to speculate. Um, what, I'm going to ask you to speculate though. What, how, how, in what ways, and maybe you're not in a position to, to, to take a crack at this and feel free to punt on it, but in what ways does this challenge feel similar? And in, in, in what ways does it feel like a whole different uh, ball of yarn to you? Yeah. Yeah. So um, much, much different. This is much different. It touches everyone. Um, almost every human is, is probably in some form or another in the world uh, been um, touched by this. Um, it, it, it has some, and I was listening um, to, uh, to the governor of Illinois and the president of the United States actually both yesterday talking about supply chain. It uh, came in slower, right? Because it wasn't as, uh, the, the impact wasn't as hard, but it'll come. If, if this situation around um, um, the airline industry, which is global, um, doesn't sort of work its way through, which is going to be hard to do unless people start to fly again, because in the bellies of those aircraft is all the cargo. So um, there's much less of that. So it's more of a gradual. Where I see this impact a whole lot more is just on everybody. And that's why it's so much bigger. And, and you know, uh, from you know, the, 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 the entertainment industry and restaurant business and, you know, all of that, but, um, you know, teachers and schools. Um, um, so it's, it's just much more far ranging. And then, you know, in our, in our role together at SAMA, Nicholas, you can see it now reverberating into, um, as, you know, cause we talk to the uh, companies that have SAM programs and they talk to companies without SAM programs, just interested in having a more strategic selling um, team. Um, how can we how can we help the most? And um, I have to say that I'm so impressed with um, with uh, Libby getting together with the team um, to 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 get to some really significant online opportunities for customers to do things in place while they're you know in place at home or wherever they are. And um, so we're rolling that out. And um, and I have to say it again, and I don't mean to make it a commercial, but as I'm just being as honest as I can be, if I had FAMA to help me back then with some of that, I, it would have been amazing, right? It, you know, um, any of the materials that we have on our, uh, in our, on our website, maybe from, definitely for me, but for sure for my team. I had a lot of newer people on the team at the time, um, different levels of experience. So, um, having been able to kind of train them up in some of the, some of the main uh, basic skills of what a good Sam can do, that would have been outstanding to have, but we have that today. So hopefully um, our customers will be tapping into that as much as possible. Right. So, so that's, that's, that's perfect. That's a good advertisement for Sam. I mean, we do have a lot of, um, you know, just a 
a massive amount of, of resources on every aspect yeah. of customer management. But, I, but also I don't believe I don't believe it exists. What, it, what we have there doesn't exist anywhere else for yeah. people to go online and get to. Yeah. So what I was going to say is that we can, you know, we're, we're able to, to build goodwill and be helpful and relevant and valuable during this crazy time. But every strategic account manager or salesperson or sales executive, no matter who they work for, also has the opportunity to make themselves oh, absolutely. essential yeah. to their customer at this, you know, everybody's, everybody's affected. That means everybody's customer is affected and it's, it's an opportunity to, to prove your worth in the most, uh, uh, you know, most high profile, most needful uh, time imaginable. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, there is a good, there's a, a similarity as well. When I started to talk about the financial impact, that was hard. That was very hard conversations with customers. There's a huge financial impact to this. There isn't a customer out there that has something in the pipeline that you're working on that can probably pull the trigger on it until this has kind of made itself, you know, known as to what was the full impact of it. So as we talk to customers and we have deals going on or, you know, we're ready to sign the contract. Okay. Let me, let me take, Oh, take it up to the CEO to get them to sign it, get her to sign it. Um, I don't know. It's going to be very difficult. I was talking to a group of our, uh, of our customers uh, yesterday morning and I asked them, I said, how easy would it be to you to get a, even a small expense put through? And they all said, very difficult, very difficult. There's, there's like triple layers of uh, cost control going on right now. So it's going to be a challenge, right? And it's really going to mean that you have to use all your skills to prove the value of what you're delivering and how that value is going to have immediate impact and needs to be moved forward now. On the other side of it, it might be also how do we how do we bring this customer into this 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 agreement and somehow find some interesting financial you know um, arrangements to make it happen and then pay pay in incremental incremental ways and things like that. So, yeah, so and I think getting, um, those creative. will those will challenge finance, SAMs, sales, and CEOs in every one of the businesses out there today. So you're thinking that 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 one way to to keep business moving forward will be to be more creative on terms and conditions. Uh, Absolutely, yeah. You'll have to look at everything because yeah. this has just never happened before, and all those all those um, gates that are put up uh, to to make sure deals are properly put together, they have to be just looked at. You got to have the gates. There's no question. You have to have that gate, but it's going to take a lot of you know sort of reassessing the levels of, of, you know, what can we start now as a partner? And that's, that's the key. We're going to do this together, but I, we both have to come out of this. Okay. Um, there'll be a lot of assessing on that. And again, another example of the SAMs are trained for that. Their, their, that their, their skills of working with the gatekeepers and the, in the customers and in the internal organizations, it's one of their best things they do. Yeah, so this is going to be a real stress test on, on on companies that are practicing strategic account management, strategic sales, whatever you want to call it. You know how how deeply have have have, have the skills penetrated yeah. the organization? You know, and, and not just the skills right. of the strategic account managers, but the the processes that are in place for mm -hmm. you know, quantifying quantifying the value of a solution. I think anything that doesn't have a 
you know, a very strong business case, obviously, is going to be a non-starter. Um, yep, so, yeah, and also the sea levels, the sea levels um, desire uh, to, you know, the sea level probably approved the SAM program, but as these pro, these these uh, these alternative suggestions to get deals done or whatever it is that comes to their desk because it's at that level, it's going to kind of challenge them too to keep thinking that this is exactly what I need to do to make sure my company and my customers come through this disaster. Yeah. So, and so that's a perfect way maybe to lob over a, a final question or comment, you know, the, the reward of getting this right. I mean, obviously you can't get it. Nobody's going to handle this, you know, once in a century event perfectly, but for the ones that handle it gracefully and, and, and uh, you know, call on all of their multitude of soft and hard skills, et cetera, et cetera. What's the reward there? What did you find in your work for, you know, the relationships where, where you, where you, you pulled through this together? Did they stay the same? Yeah. Did they get better? What was your experience? Yeah, it was good. Right. I mean, um, um, uh, even some of the worst situations as we work through them and we work through every one of them, um, it, it would became sort of a little bit of a badge of honor. And, you know, you kind of talk about it over, over at the QBR or you put up a slide about it and everybody kind of, kind of talks about how the thing un, 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 unrolled and how things got done and, and, uh, almost like a, a little bit of a sort of battle stories. Right. And, um, it definitely for the customers that were in that portfolio, they were, they're still with them. And, you know, I would say things may have changed, but I would also say that if things did change over time and, you know, there wasn't like we had the Iceland volcano, that was very difficult in logistics. It was, it shut down European airspace. That was a big thing. So was the, uh, the tsunami in Japan, um, earthquake tsunami. Um, these are very big events. Um, in fact, I think one of the really cool things that uh, my uh, DHL did um, over time and in, in um, around those, those volcano and the, and the tsunami events was they developed uh, a system which they call Resilience 360, which is an amazing system that's a sort of a risk uh, assessment program for, for supply chain. So it helped companies grow too and, and to plan. So uh, at least on the DHL side, I don't know if other logistics companies have something like that, but it's a fascinating system. Customers are really interested in it to protect and sort of harden their, their, um, their, uh, their, 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 their risk that they have to, to avoid risk. Um, I don't know if all of them did. I think a lot of companies probably went into also over time to go to do more of a procurement relationship with, with their bigger suppliers and supply chain, um, which I wonder how they feel about that now, if that in fact lowered the relationship level from a strategic uh, supplier to uh, a vendor situation. Because if you're in a vendor situation and the wheels start falling off like they are, um, you now find yourself, you know, kind of trying maybe a little bit behind because you you know you don't have that relationship that larger strategic relationship with a vendor that uh, might be helping in a time like this with, with a good SAM program to back it up. Right. You don't have that advocate inside the supplier. Correct. C-level. And, and that, that advocate is C-level uh, yeah. contacts, right? This, this is great. Any, um, anything that we didn't cover? Any final thoughts? 
No, I think it's just, a, it, 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 again, don't speculate when you're talking to customers, you know, it, uh, it's a much different role now on the Samus side. So uh, I think of my colleagues in supply chain, I hope they're doing well. Um, it's, it, I know uh, two of my three sons are working in supply chain and um, I can see it ramping up for them. Um, and uh, the best thing, stay as close as you can to your customers, so stay on top of the situation. Um, try to get balanced information, um, get the in also internal information, know how your company is operating. Uh, it sounds like a lot, but you're probably not traveling. You got, you know, if, if you're not doing some SAMA online training, <laughs> which you will be maybe hopefully, um, take the time to do your research and make sure you're on top of the situation so you can help your customer with whatever needs they may have during it. Brilliant. Thank you so much, Chris. Hey, good talking to you, Nicholas. I hope everything in New York is okay here in Chicago. We're doing the best we can. I know you have a, a serious situation there. So if there's anything you need from me, let me know, okay?